Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. If you enjoy listening to Corology, then I need your help. Here's why. I create Corology by myself on a shoestring budget, recording and editing every episode in my tiny closet. How's that for irony? That's where you come in. Will you help keep Corology on the air by supporting it financially? By tipping as little as $1 a month, you can help me improve and keep making Corology every week. All you have to do is jump over to MatthiasRoberts.com support to make a pledge and listen away. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Queerology Live. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Thank you for being here. So excited. Uh, today we're talking about marriage. I have Dave and Tino Kaloff. Uh, their new book, Modern Kinship, A Queer Guide to Christian Marriage, just came out a few days ago. Let's give them a round of applause because... Like, my goodness. Writing a book is a project, and they've been working on this for years. Uh, I'll give them a little introduction. David and Constantino Kaloff are a married couple based in Portland, Oregon, who started the blog Modern Kinship a few years ago to share their journey as a Christian same-sex couple and encourage others who feel called to marriage and lifelong partnership. Uh, their writing also appears at the Gottman Institute, which is like a really big deal. I would say the Gottmans and Dave and Tino are leaders in relationship counseling and advice. Um, so, so excited to have them on the podcast today. Let's give them a warm round of applause. Uh, this is the second time they've been on the podcast. They were in episode 21, way back in season one, uh, before this book was out. Uh, so really excited to have them back. And then I thought, I was thinking, since we're talking about marriage, uh, I didn't really want to have like a male-dominated conversation. Uh, Dave and Tino have like this book is incredible and they've done such a good job including uh, so many different voices in the book but I thought let's get some women up here too yeah <laughs> so I'm so excited I, I haven't talked about this on social media um, but Alex and Tori Blue are here um, they have been on the podcast before separately but never together as a married couple they got married three months ago right yeah yeah as of yesterday. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so little introductions for them. Uh, Alex and Tori Blue, one half of them, Alex, who goes professionally by Alex G, uh, is a songwriter, artist, performer, and advocate. Uh, in 2010, she began posting videos of herself singing covers on YouTube, and her channel quickly became one of the fastest growing on the site. Uh, as of this episode, uh, she has over 200 million views and nearly 1.6 million subscribers. Uh, her coming out puts her among the top 10 most popular LGBTQ women on YouTube. Uh, and she writes music to celebrate and affirm our shared humanity. Uh, yes. You were the one who wrote that. But... <laughs> Wait, we could write our own introductions? You didn't tell us that. And then Tori... Um, <laughs> okay. uh, 
Uh, I started following Tori uh, when Brene Brown shared some of her work uh, a few years ago on Instagram. Uh, she's quickly become one of the favorite, my favorite parts of my Instagram feed. Uh, her poetry is absolutely stunning. Uh, so Tori Blue is a poet and artist who believes creativity should be a place of refuge and spirituality should be a place of freedom. Uh, she has tens of thousands of followers on Instagram. Uh, you should pull your, your phones again, follow her, uh, and her work can be found across social media at Notes on the Way. Uh, so Alex and Tori, come on up. Yay! So to start, uh, the question that I ask everyone uh, and y'all should know this is coming because all of you have been on the podcast before. Uh, but how do you identify? And then how would you say that your faith has helped form that identity? Tori. I guess I'm going first. It's in order. I identify as a queer woman of faith. Um, I am currently sort of in the process of reconstructing how all of these different parts of myself intersect. Mm. I'm just mentally, emotionally. So, like, putting words to that right now feels a little bit complicated Mm -hmm. like if you want me to talk about it for the entire length of the podcast (laughs) um but I think I would just say right now um I think probably like Mary Oliver's poetry would be the best Mm -hmm. (laughs) look at like how I feel my faith and my sexuality and my spirituality and my humanity all intersect Mm -hmm. um and so if you're curious and what that looks like you can go read Mary Oliver (laughs) Um, but that's sort of yeah, that's sort of all I got right now. Mm-hmm. It's all you. Hi. So um, my name's Alex. I identify as bisexual, um, a woman of faith that is something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it has changed even since we last spoke, which was, um, I don't remember when that was. It was way ago. over, it was over a year ago. Yeah, yeah it's changed since then. Um, I'm figuring it out. Um, I'm just learning and trying my best uh, to live a good life and love people well and love the world well. And as far as, like, definitions and, and labels, I'm not sure, but I'm figuring it out. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's the best I got, too. <laughs> it's yeah. a good place to be, I think. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So I'm uh, Tino Kalef. I am a cisgender man, and I identify as gay. Um, I came to the faith later in life, and I would say the biggest impact that my faith surely has combined with my sexuality has had on me is uh, that I've ironically moved politically to the left since becoming a Christian. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Yeah. That's that's amazing. (laughs) That's truly amazing. (laughs) And I am David Califf. I am also a cisgender man, and I identify as gay. Uh, and I identify as Christian, although um, kind of what that means uh, is always fluid and changing. And uh, I guess I'm just in a phase of trying to enter into um, and embrace just grayness and unknown in my life. And that's been historically a scary space and now feels like a really vulnerable and freeing space. Good. I like that. Uh, so, it's it's interesting to to do a podcast about marriage as a single person, 
who wants to be married at some point. I'm single, hi. Um, and, <laughs> He's a catch, guy. Uh, because I know, like, as a single person, I know how hard it is to, like, to sit in spaces, especially queer places, and and see all these couples and then wonder, like, well, what about, what about me? Um, and and then to to talk about it in such a way uh, that's open for everyone's experiences. Um, but I'm curious, uh, Tino, last time you were on the podcast, and this is going to be an open question, yeah. Um, the soundbite that we kind of pulled out of that episode uh, was you saying in some ways you feel like LGBTQ people are bringing God back to marriage. Um, however we want to define God, the divine, um, I think of like, I think as Brene Brown mentioned again, uh, it talks about the divine or spirituality being that which connects us. Um, so if you're wanting a more broad definition of that, uh, if God doesn't feel comfortable. Um, but I'd be curious, like as an open opening question, what do you feel like the, the particularity of, of queer marriage in itself brings us to, lets us know about the divine, lets us know about connection and humanity? Like what particularly uh, does queer marriage, queer relationships bring to the table so yeah i think as queer people we've had to deconstruct the concept of marriage mm -hmm. right in many ways like we've had to deconstruct the concept of faith mm -hmm. and um one of the most meaningful things for us i think especially as we were engaged and asking the question why do we even want to get married uh was um try to figure out what 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 is marriage really if it's not just procreation and a cisgender man and a cisgender woman somehow complementing each other because that's been pre-assigned to them. Um, and that deconstruction, I think, is important not just for queer people, but for straight people as well. We, uh, we've met so many straight couples who've said to us, you know, we've carried shame because we don't fit this mold of the man does this and the woman does that. And we've been shamed by our faith communities for not fitting that mold. And, you know, and then they say like, and then seeing you guys and reading what you write has given life back to us in our marriage and said, it's okay to be who we are. We don't have to fit this mold. So, and I think that's God, you know, that's bringing the divine back into the question. For us, we see marriage as a tool. We think marriage is not about two people turning inward, but I think marriage is just something that allows us to like recharge so we can turn outward mm -hmm. and work for what in Christianity we call advancing the kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. Like do the work of healing the world. Mm -hmm. That's what God wants us to do. Yeah, well, I mean, just processing this, also, because we're pretty new to marriage, but there is not a formula per se for um, a same sex uh, marriage. And so there's not a lot to look at, I guess, and to say, okay, so as you were saying, like, this is, this is the woman's role and this is the man's role and this is how a marriage works together and this is the point of it. You kind of have to, you get to, I mean, it's been really actually exciting and wonderful mm -hmm. to kind of strip all of the preconceived ideas of what a marriage should be back and just look at like, what do we truly have and what do we uh, give to the world as a team? Mm -hmm. And 
like, why do we, <laughs> like, why do we want to be together? You really have to look at, at that. Um, I don't know, because there are no, there are no rules. And, um, I think that that has been, I think the most beautiful thing about, about marriage and even like deciding if we should get married is like, okay, so, <laughs> um, love. What what does that really mean for us and for the world? Um, and I think you get to kind of look at these ideas that you've heard your entire life, um, but maybe strip back to the the origin of of what they are. And I think that they become so much more meaningful that way. And when you don't necessarily have queer representation um, in marriage growing up, you get to kind of figure out what that means for you. And as two autonomous people um, in partnership together, what that means. And it's been so interesting. It's been interesting for me because I just really was, I'm going to marry a, a, a cisgender man. That's just, that's, and you have your life planned out and you know exactly what it's going to look like. And I have no idea what our life is going to look like. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's, that just like, that creates so much room for freedom mm-hmm. and I think I think that's God. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think sort of on that same vein, um, I feel like if we're talking about sort of the attributes of the divine that we get to um, participate in as, as people, um, creativity has been a, a big part of us personally, like figuring out our relationship and even like planning a wedding and being like, mm. we don't have the traditions that, you know, straight cis couples have Mm -hmm. and what does that mean for us and how do we want to to um express our love in within our community into the world and um just getting to kind of build something new from the ground up Mm -hmm. um and getting to engage with our own sense of yeah creativity and artistry um as like you know a metaphor for what we're building in our Mm -hmm. in our marriage and Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have really, I like have really enjoyed that part of it because it feels like I have always loved expressing myself creatively and expressing myself in ways that feel sincere to me. Mm-hmm. And I've, I have felt a freedom to do that within our marriage that has been really unique and life giving. <laughs> I, I love that word creativity because uh, I feel like. I think most of the the queer couples that I know, like creativity is something that we get to embrace uh, as we step into a relationship because we, we don't have kind of the norm uh, guiding what we're doing. And in some ways we do, like we can never escape that, right? Um, and yet we're able to queer it up. Um, and that's super fun. Um. <laughs> oh, it's super fun. <laughs> um, I'm curious, like, I want to hear how y'all met, like, those stories, mainly because I just, like, melt into a puddle whenever I hear these stories, so this is, I'm just being selfish. (laughs) Uh, This is David. Well, we became aware of each other for a hot second on OkCupid. Oh, yeah. Check it out. It works. (laughs) Answer all those weird questions. (laughs) Uh, he was living on the East Coast, and I was on the West Coast, and so it was just a hello, and then we dumped each other into the rando Facebook friend pile for a while. Um, but then Tino 
came out to the West Coast for a Q Christian um, meetup. The West Coast meetup is Dan here. I give him a little credit. Um, and yeah, uh, we met there. We uh, shared a camping site together when everyone else stayed in the hotel. Well, with one other guy, so it was a little, uh, <laughs> it wasn't that romantic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just it was awkward. It was, it was uh, Gaby who had all the questions. Oh, he had all then, the questions. Like, all the awkward questions. Yeah, actually, that's what made me first love Tino was that he was very patient with this uh, young man who had lots of questions. We love him; he's wonderful. Um, and uh, I, I thought he was trolling us because he was asking questions literally about how gay sex worked and uh so it was it was hilarious anyway um <laughs> yeah and then uh you know tino got a job opportunity in la where i was and he took it not for me no. of course no <laughs> um yeah and uh you know we started dating a uh, three or four months after he moved and it's history from there hmm. yeah do you agree with that story tino yeah, that's, uh, yeah, especially the part where I did not move. I did not move across the country for some guy. That's not. It's not something I would ever yeah. do. I did not do that. Okay. okay. Cool. Um, there were some funny parallels, which also include Los Angeles and camping. Um, for us, yes, yes, we um, we met on a women's retreat, which is very gay. Um, that's where we and met too. We were, we were. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? I said that's where we, we met too. <laughs> um, yeah, we were both, you know, quote straight back then. Totally. Uh huh. Totally straight. Um, yeah, but uh, we we connected. We were roommates and best friends for two and a half years before we came out to each other, and then started trying to figure out what that meant for our relationship. So we we made I think we were telling you yesterday, Matthias, it was like a platonic marriage for two and a half years. <laughs> Alex said a platonic marriage with sexual tension. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, so it's funny because like you know in confidence. I, sorry, not anymore. Um, <laughs> but it's a uh, it's it's funny because it feels like, you know, we're newlyweds. We've only been married for the three months, but it feels like it's been like also, it's been like four and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ask anyone I know. spent any amount of time with us. Yeah. But so that was the, that was how we met and then just took us a little bit of time to figure out what that was going to look like yeah. for us. Yeah. Do you have anything to add? I have so many details, but like, we don't, don't let her go into the yeah. details. So. <laughs> You know. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Steven, you know, one thing that you guys point out in, like, the first, it may even be in the introduction of this book, um, or chapter one, and I'm, I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts about this, too, is is this idea of um, when, we're, when we're trying to find people who have similar value sets as us. I think a lot of us who are people of faith, that's that's important um, as we step into relationships. Whether, I mean, it can look a variety of different ways, but something you guys point out is like, you say, like, just point blank, like, you're going to have to move. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh-uh. Like, <laughs> um, but I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit because I, I remember reading that. I think you guys wrote that in a blog post a few years ago first, and I remember reading that. 
Um, and then sending it to the guy that I was dating at the time, being like, hey, that look, like you need to move to Seattle. <laughs> but I, I'm curious about that idea. Um, and, I, and it'd be interesting to hear is, is you all didn't move for each other. Um, but as you hear that and as you like talk to people who are trying to step into relationships where values are deeply important, um, that concept of of having to maybe uproot our lives. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think we, if you want to date someone who shares your values, your worldview, and you're queer, you're looking at a pretty shallow dating bottle, mm-hmm. not, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's not even a pool. It's not even a pool. Yeah, I mean, so um, if you then want to, like, restrict yourself geographically, you're making an uphill battle even harder, mm-hmm. right? And I think the beauty of the world we live in, where we're also connected with people who live thousands of miles away, is that you can expand that dating pool. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, a relationship, so that's good, but a relationship can develop to a stage long distance, but eventually you're going to have to make that move. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we know some people who have met locals and ended up married. Um, maybe at like, you know, retreats for straight uh, <laughs> women. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that said, the majority of people we know have started long distance. So uh, I think what we mean when we say you're going to have to move is just you need to at least have that, at least make sure it's on the table. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it, I mean, and we got a few upset messages from that post for people who simply could not move. Uh, they had a sick parent they needed to take care of. Uh, their job situation prevented them, and um, they felt that that was kind of a cruel post in a way. Um, and we were, in, in a sense, coming from it from a numbers perspective. Um, really, probably 90% of the friends that we know who have gotten married, one of them or both have had to make a move at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just goes back to the, the dating puddle. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. curious about y'all's thoughts. I mean, we didn't have to move, um, physically. Mm-hmm. I mean, we chose to move to, you know, together, mm-hmm. um, multiple times to different States because <laughs> we were not going to like not be together. Um, even though we were like not together, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it was complicated. <laughs> um, but in terms of like values, um, I, I, again, it's it's complicated for us because we did we started as a friendship and and we have both been so encouraging of just the other person finding what's right for them and for mm-hmm. figuring that out. And I think. Um, you know, had it been five years ago, or when did we meet? <laughs> Four years ago or Almost, five yeah. years ago yeah. when we were in a relationship, like a romantic relationship, if that, I don't know if it would have worked out because I was so terrified of being with someone who didn't um, share the same values that I had written down on a piece of paper. Uh, <laughs> which is I've never done that. Yeah. <laughs> Literally have a journal, my perfect man. <laughs> and Me and too. like Tori like <laughs> You will find yours. You're perfect. Okay. I think um, I, I think I 
hit like what? Yeah, you hit like, like 50%. two thirds of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Um, it was like must get along with my best friend. Like I meant you. Yeah. So just FYI. Um, okay, <laughs> sorry. Tangents. Um, but I was so scared that. Um, this, I guess, just the the things that I thought had to match. And this was, for me, a very fear-based. I grew up in a very um, kind of fear-based, conservative Christian mm, household. And it was like, you don't really have to think that much about why you believe what you do. You just do. And so, for me, it was just, they have to tick these points or else you can't have your spouse going to hell, like... And and so I just, but what I luckily got to figure out with Tori was just how we can be, is, is, is how to be two autonomous people with two different set of even beliefs. Um, all I, all I care about is who you are and I just care about you finding peace and freedom, whatever that means. Um, like, yeah, you're you're a good person, and I feel that we have the desire to be good people and treat the earth well and treat other people well. And that, to me, is, like, at the core what matters. And I know maybe that's not the same for everyone here, and that's understandable and totally perfectly fine. Um, it's just it's evolving and changing for me, I guess, the things that I find important um, that we must share. But I believe that we share, you know, what's important, mm-hmm. what's, like, truly important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would just add to that, I feel like despite not having to make the physical move for each other, like we've had to move for each other in different ways regularly. Like learning how to fight when we come from very different backgrounds of like our conflict growing up just looked very different and figuring out how to like make space for the other person to be a whole human self and also exist like with me and how, how do we make that work? And we've had to, we've had to move for each other. We have, we still have to regularly. Um, I feel like trying to do that not in the same physical location would be really difficult. Really hard. Um, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like just sort of the idea of moving for each other in one way or another is just sort of inevitable in, in mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Let's let's talk about parents. Um, Mine are here. <laughs> are sure? oh, yeah. so, no, hey. no pressure. That's my, that's my mom and dad right there. Because <laughs> I feel like that's that's one topic. Like whether you're single or not, if you've grown up, uh, for I think a lot of people at least, if you've grown up within a faith community, that idea of someday I'm going to have to deal with my parents. Uh, I know that's on my mind. Uh, my parents aren't affirming. And um, I know all of you all have have had different journeys with that, like figuring out, being in relationship, navigating parental, um, how do we tell our parents, that kind of stuff. Um, I'd be curious about things that you've learned and maybe just sharing some of those experiences. If you want. No, no pressure. <laughs> okay, well... I don't know how to even talk about this. I mean, my parents are not in the picture, um, unfortunately, I guess. Uh, they weren't at the wedding. And so, but I still felt, I mean, okay, so it's been a difficult road with my parents for the, 
just on a personal, like non-relational, like not with a significant other. Um, so that, that's been hard anyway. Um, and I already knew that they would not be affirming or accepting of me when I came out. So I didn't expect that and I wasn't hoping for it. (laughs) Um, so I was able to kind of grieve that before I even came out. Um, and, but I still, but, and even after like, you know, shit hit the fan, um, you know, you still feel, I don't know what it is, if it was an a sense of obligation or just desire to, like, have a sort of a normalcy in your parent, in your relationship with your parent, I felt like I should tell them still uh, that I'm in a relationship with Tori and that it's serious or that, you know, we're, we got engaged and because that's something that you just who doesn't want to share that with their parents um and even though like it you know was super abusive I just still felt this like but that's just the thing you just share that you just tell your parents that you're engaged like why wouldn't you do that um and maybe it didn't make sense I don't know but I did it and it didn't <laughs> turn out very well um <laughs> but all of that being said I guess just um, it's been, it's been a grieving, it's been a lot of grieving for me. And, um, but also I've kind of been on this, this journey anyway of stepping into my full truth in like in every way that that, you know, looks like. And in order to really step into all of that in my freedom and in my truth and in wholeness, um, you're gonna have, there are some things that are just gonna have to not be there anymore. You're, there, there are things you're going to lose and it's different for everyone. Um, you, you know, even if you're not, um, if you don't identify LGBTQ, like there are things you shed when you step into your full truth. And for, you know, um, queer people, it's <laughs> sometimes it looks like family and that's unfortunate, but I just had to, I guess, make the decision that like I was, I'm willing to lose everything that I, that is necessary to lose in order for me to live in my full truth and in love and with the the woman that I love. Um, because I mean, this life is ours and it belongs to you and you belong to you. And I know it's so complicated with parents. (laughs) It's so complicated because there's just a, there's a biological, you know, connection there. And you don't want to have to, no one should have to let go of that. Um, You know, it would never be my choice, but sometimes it's necessary shedding um, in order to live a life worth living. And for me, it unfortunately had to get to that point, but, um, but I'm extremely lucky because Tori's parents are the most incredible people ever on the face of the the earth. Like they are amazing and have been so healing and have welcomed me since day one. And I don't know, your family's just <laughs> weird like that. <laughs> like you are so, and so that's been, you know, I've been very lucky and I know that everyone gets that in a queer relationship. Yeah. And, I'll just add quickly to that because I feel like the, I mean talking too close. I felt like you were talking very close I don't to know. it, but it's fine. Sorry, um, that was too loud. <laughs> yeah, and I do. I feel like we've lucked out, and it's been it's been complicated. Like my dad's a pastor, and 
um, in a non-affirming church, and it's been a very interesting uh, sort of uphill climb trying to figure out, like, what does this look like for us as a family? But I have never felt anything but supported by my parents, and Hmm. um, obviously they're here and have been wonderful to to me and to Alex and um I just feel like they are always making more room for us and for the things that we're learning and growing through and it's been a journey that we've been able to kind of take on together which has been um really special in a lot of ways so it was because it was because of Becky Ma- mama Becky um that we even started thinking about the the uh, faith and sexuality conversation mm-hmm. like Becky, you were reading books and books and books about it, and you were changing your mind before we had changed ours even. Mm-hmm. And wow. so we were given, I feel, um, it felt like permission to like kind of change your mind about something mm-hmm. like that, that mm-hmm. people hold on to so strongly. And then we could look at ourselves after that. So it's really like a big thanks to yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom was the first affirming person in our house, and um, it made it so that when I was ready to come out, um I didn't have a sense of fear that she wouldn't be accepting or okay yeah. with that. And it came out via text, which was like <laughs> a no-no, but it's okay. Always I'm, a good choice. <laughs> I have so many things I could say about that, but, you know, it is what it is. And that's our chapter. <laughs> that's all you guys feel. Uh, no, I, I actually think, Alex, what you shared is so healing uh, to so many of us because we actually have a similar story. My parents are not in the picture either. Um, And his parents are fantastic. Um, And, you know, as we like to talk a lot about kinship um, and what kinship is, what kinship means. Um, When we got married, uh, our pastor, the words he used to, when he, at the end, he pronounced us kin. Mm-hmm. Married in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because and that was so meaningful to me because, like you, you spoke of losing the losing hope before you even got to that point, yeah. right? And that resonates to me. Like I realized that in order to move forward with my new next of kin mm-hmm. and form this bond of kinship, I had to let go of that hope because. Yeah. As hard as it sounds, hope that cannot be realized just becomes this black hole mm-hmm. that sucks all joy out of relationship. Yeah. You know, um, you share, you talked about wanting to share the news. We got engaged in the middle of the Oregon forest off the grid. And yet I was, my family were the first people I wanted to tell after I proposed. And as I was out there, like with my phone, like, you know, trying to like, <laughs> get the message through um, and it went through and you know my brother two of my sisters and my niece and nephews all replied they were so happy for me from my parents no word and we spoke on the phone to two weeks later because it was my dad's birthday and nothing you know we talked about the weather politics everything the the engagement wasn't even and after that I was so grieved, even though I thought I had come to terms with the fact that they, um, and that's when I realized, you know what, I can't just let this keep sucking the joy out of every meaningful moment of my life. Um, so 
it's hard, but sometimes the reality is that our original kin is lost. You know, I lived for years with that broken kinship. I, uh, I say I felt, I think when, when that bond of kinship with your family of origin breaks, you are truly left alone in the sense that Adam was alone in the garden. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that aloneness what God declared not good. And I think it is because of that aloneness that God created kinship, that God brought kin to Adam. Mm -hmm. And I think that, we say this in a book, I think that's the biggest and the most beautiful promise of marriage. And that's, I think, what makes marriage so meaningful for queer people. Because so many of us have been left without kin. Mm -hmm. Marriage is the hope of having kin again. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you may as well just leave now, Tina. Jeez. <laughs> Am I going, okay. I mean, my, <laughs> after that, I mean, come on. No, my parents are great. I mean, it's been a real, um, <laughs> end of time. No, uh, it's been a process. Um, you know, when I came out to them at 19, I, I wrote an email, because that's what we did back then. <laughs> back because I'm old. Um, and uh, it was hard for them. I remember driving home from college, I was 19, and I was... Uh, I had this little red Dodge Neon and I sat in the driveway for like an hour just building up the nerve to go inside and we went inside, I went inside and uh, my sister came home and we just like all cried for like an hour um, and they were great in that they said we love you no matter what but um, they still thought I was broken and needed help and I at the time thought I was broken and needed help. Um, so it's been a journey for all of us. I really think, um, uh, my sexuality has been a blessing for my whole family and that I think it's set us all off on a journey of deconstructing our faith and rebuilding it in really healthy and authentic ways. Um, and now they're great and they've gone to such lengths to make Tino feel welcome. You I mean, they, at Christmas, they got rid of all the old stockings and got new ones with his name on it. <laughs> my, my mom, uh, She's always felt not quite fitting in with my dad's family, with her in-laws. And so uh, when we got married, she came to Tino and just said, you know, I know what it's like to feel like um, you don't quite fit in. You aren't quite accepted. And I never want you to feel that with us. Mm -hmm. And so they have always just really uh, loved on him. And that's just so meaningful to me, too. Yeah, wonderful. That's so cool. Um, I, I think I... I, I said I wasn't going to do a Q&A, but I'm like, that's actually could be a lot of fun. So I think I want to open up the floor. Um, yeah. Fun <laughs> to put y'all on the side. But I think I, I want to open up the floor for questions. But right before I do that, though, like, um, you, you mentioned, yeah, surprise. Um, I, um, you mentioned kinship, and that made me think of this passage. The, to be honest, like, I only fully read the introduction of... of <laughs> You can you can still leave a review on Amazon I, without even reading. Totally, it, so I mean, my name is on the back cover, and <laughs> I flip, I I read chunks of most of it. You're a busy man. Yeah. That's, busy man. Give it away. Uh, but this, this part, like this, stuck out stuck out to me. Um, it stuck a word anyway. Um, <laughs> this this makes me think of kinship. Um, 
and you write first paragraph on the evening of November 2nd, 2015 moments after David said yes to my proposal of marriage. He grabbed me by the shoulders and said, look at me, look me in the eye from now on. I will be your family. I will be yours and you will no longer be alone. I never want to hear you say you're alone again. I'm your family. (laughs) Right? Like, (laughs) yeah. So, questions? Uh, Before, real quick, before we take questions, since we're on the topic of books, Mm. I saw on Instagram (laughs) that you, Matthias, just signed a book contract. Amazing. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about it? And while you tell us a little bit about it, if you're open to it, I feel like we need to toast you. So I just brought like a little like. What? Just like little like cocktails. (laughs) Did you really? Can I just, while you tell us about your book real quick, is that okay? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. I love this so much. Yeah. I just this is we this is called preparation. from the hotel room. My <laughs> goodness, um, yeah, I just signed a book deal with Fortress Press um, last summer uh, to write a book. The working title right now is "Becoming Known: uh, How to Fight Shame and Embrace Healthy Sexuality." Uh, and it's it's a book for those of us who identify as people of faith in one way or another. Uh, who grew up in a constrictive sexual ethic, uh, who are feeling shame around our sex and sexuality, whatever that means. Uh, a, how do we work with that shame? And then B, how do we construct uh, more sex-positive, more expansive sexual ethics? Um, so that's the book. It'll be out later this year, early next year. Uh, and super, super excited about it. But, yeah. So this is, like, you have, like, vodka? Oh, you're like, <laughs> You're like a bartender. This is why I married him. Yeah. <laughs> In case you want to see if you can get sponsorship for this, we're yeah. having um, Svedka cucumber Svedka lime. cucumber lime. We're making Svedka. Moscow mules. Oh my goodness. And we've got a. There. <laughs> it's a. Oh, Reed's extra gingery ginger beer. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, so, as he finished yeah. making yeah. these, questions. Yes. <laughs> Jump right up. Yeah. All right. So I can't be the only person that has this question, but are any of you thinking of kids someday? And if so, you've already gone through the journey of, figure- <laughs> of figuring out what does marriage look, but what does parenting look is a whole other question for queer couples. And are there people maybe that you're looking to as examples for that? We'll let you guys take that one first. <laughs> well, funny you should ask. Um, I have full-blown babies. We're pregnant! No, 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 no. <laughs> That's a lie. Oh, let's toast. Let's toast. It was an accident. I don't know how it happened. Cheers. All right, here we go. Cheers. Cheers. Yay. I got them. Cheers. Yeah. I'll drink to that. I'll make a clinking sound so we got plastic. Yeah. It's all alive. We are not. Um, that was not a pregnancy announcement. I have baby fever. Alex has what she calls the baby sniffles. So it's going to be a while. And we were just talking like all morning about how Alex is like, maybe in 10 years. But also I'm like. I can't carry it. Yeah, she wants me to carry it. So 
that's that's really all we know right now. <laughs> baby fever, baby snipples. I held my cousin's newborn yesterday and was like, I need him. <laughs> but terrified of Alex baby. is afraid of babies, so it'll be a while for us. <laughs> so, I think it's easy, not just in March, but just in life in general, kind of like approach life as an escalator, right? Where you're always going up and there's always the next thing that you need to do. Um, I think it's uh, often, you know, you get married, buy a house, have a baby or something, you know. Um, <laughs> we, um, we've thought about it and we've talked about it a lot. Um, I think for us, it's, it's not a decision that we want to make by default. We, just, we don't want to just assume that we need to have a baby because that's the next thing that happens when you get married. And we also don't want to just you know, not do anything about it. And 20 years from now, look back and, oh, you know what? We should have had a, you know. Um, so we've actually um, gone into a kind of like, we call it a discernment season, um, talking to various couples, you know, uh, couples, you know, straight couples with grown children, queer couples with children, and straight couples and queer couples who have decided not to have children. And... Um, as I said earlier, we see marriage as something that we want to use as a tool to force us to look outward. And children is one way to do that. But what are some other ways in which we can have a mission as a couple, in which we can be better in the world as a couple? So maybe it's by raising children, maybe it's something else. Um, and I think actually, I would say that's one more of the like deconstructions that we as queer people get to bring to marriage. Right now, our biological dog clock is ticking more than anything. So, um, you can have ours. Yes, oh, please. please ship ship it. What what kind is it? He's a pit bull. Was it like extreme uh, severe anxiety? anxiety. Yeah. Mm, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. 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 So I know the engagement period is very important, uh -huh. and there's I feel like so much of that time traditionally goes into planning the wedding, but I've been thinking about how it's really important that that time is also preparing for marriage. And I was wondering what that looked like for you all, um, especially because, you know, couples traditionally go through marriage counseling and you don't see a whole lot of queer Christian marriage counseling. And also if there were any mentors that you found. Uh, yeah, I, I can start us off with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, it was really important to us to be intentional about this season of engagement and not have it just be waiting for marriage, but actually be its own season that was its own kind of special, unique season. Um, and so one of the things we do, and I, I give Tino credit for this, uh, we're big fans of the Gottman Institute, uh, as Matthias mentioned uh, at the beginning of this podcast. Um, Tino bought one of their books, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. It's a, a workbook with great questions. And so we would go through that and we'd read a chapter, go through it, answer the questions on our own, and then meet and discuss it. Um, and it was a wonderful way to just kind of prepare before there were problems. I think that was important to us is actually uh, learn good habits before we had formed them. Um, and we really kind of took that idea. That's one of the things we wanted to put into our book. We like have questions for reflection at the end of each, uh, each chapter because we wanted to create something that couples could actually discuss and talk about. Yeah. And we, uh, um, 
our pastor at our church, our church had just recently become affirming. We were the first gay couple married there. And wow. our pastor offered, uh, we honestly hadn't even thought of this, but he approached us and said, would you guys, you know, he said, well, if I'm marrying you, like at this church, we offer premarital counseling. So we had premarital counseling with him. And, you know, our, our, our pastor is a straight guy and, there we were talking about sex and expectations around sex life, and I was, which I was. We very... were more awkward than he yeah. was. <laughs> he was like, "Sex is messy and sweaty," and we were just blushing the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I know, but having those, I think having those conversations, even if even if you've already had sex before, like just talking about this, like what? How are you gonna approach all of this? getting, you know, going forward. Um, yeah, I think that intentionality is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I have a wonderful therapist. Mm -hmm. yes. I have the same one. Yes. She's... You're really close to her every time. She's amazing. Um, I just, well, I don't know. I mean, I had a lot of my... I have anxiety, okay? <laughs> I, like, I really do. Um, and she helped me to normalize a lot of that because... Mm -hmm. I desperately needed it, and it's a big decision to make. Oh, we had a failed proposal. Uh huh. Um, it, <laughs> Before we had a successful one. Yeah. So, so our the, I mean, the plus side of again our like platonic marriage was um, that we had figured out a lot about like we were both seeing the same therapist, but we're both figuring out our own stuff as individuals. Mm -hmm. So we have had like a pretty decent sense of like how yeah. to live with each other and how to fight with each other for, for years. Yes. Um, so I think in like a marriage specific marriage counseling type stuff didn't feel as much of a necessity as I think it otherwise might have mm -hmm. in that way. Um, but I definitely think therapy has been, it's a necessity for me mm -hmm. at least. Um, I think it is for most people. For um, <laughs> um, but we had a, uh, yeah, a failed proposal, mm -hmm. um, where Alex would tell me she was ready for marriage. She was ready. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And she's like, yes, I'm sure. And like, there was something about it. Like, I felt like I needed to keep asking because she kept being kind of weird, but like saying yes. And I took her at her word and I proposed and she... <laughs> And she had a panic attack and fell down on the ground. Oh, no. And <laughs> there are pictures that we... They're undeveloped. They're undeveloped film photos. <laughs> there, there's an undeveloped role. Yeah, well, it was we'll like... Look at them eventually. We, they, it's an undeveloped roll of film from our failed proposal. It's just sitting in one of the sock drawers in our house. Um, so someday we'll develop those and share them. It was it was horrific. It's horrible. Um, and I had a we were I proposed in Nashville and then we had a party planned in Chicago and we were gonna drive up and friends were flying in from all over the country. Yeah, he's probably invited. Probably Matthias invited. is probably invited. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then and then yeah yeah we were talking and then it didn't happen and I never followed up with you and this is why. Um, so then we had a very awkward drive up to Chicago with our roommates with our roommates in the back seat and my dog and we had to tell everyone that the engagement party was canceled and we didn't really explain why and then um, we Alex called our therapist and realized like oh she's having like normal like 
her anxiety is normal and you can love a person and still not be ready to marry them. And like, that's not a matter of like, we should or should not be together. Um, and, and yeah. I don't know, you tend to like idealize. I do. It was a lot of like sort of Hollywood expectations. This fantasy world of like how you should feel and mm-hmm. what you should be ready for and excited about mm-hmm. and how you should be excited. Uh-huh. And, and it was just, our relationship has never been like a part of that sort of Hollywood expectation mold. Um, so figuring out then like, okay, again, like what is marriage going to look like? And is it something that you want? And mm-hmm. like, we can love each other and you still not be ready. We can love each other and still be, and be in different places about what we're ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, and we took about, you know, it was a, it, I mean, it felt, it feels short in hindsight. It was about six weeks of like really trying to figure out, what to do with that failed proposal and sort of there was some trust broken because I felt like, you know, I had asked her if she was ready and she said yes and then wasn't. Mm-hmm. And um, and Alex had to figure out her stuff. Um, but six weeks later, Alex then proposed to me, mm-hmm. um, surprised me at like 830 in the morning. We were driving up to Chicago and surprised me on our way out the door. Um, she did. <laughs> she did. Oh, and now here we are. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah. it's a fun... Excuse me, Yes, you sure can. Um, well, I'm going to do this for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is, how did you know you were ready for lifelong commitment rather than just dating? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how to answer that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think... Well, I guess what I would say is you never know for sure. I don't know that I don't know that everyone would say that. But for me, I live in like a space of like always doubt and unknowing and um uncertainty and uh so for me, I ha- at, at some point I had to be willing to take steps of faith and trust um that both I I was ready to marry and that uh, Tina was the one for me. Um and kind of all signs pointed to yes, but I think in any big decision we make in life, there is a leap of faith that we have to take, and I think that's um, kind of the beautiness of it. Agreed. Yeah, I would actually echo that. I uh, I shared that I came to the faith late in life, and um, so I don't know a lot of Bible passages by memory, but the one that if I had a like life passage, it would be the I think it's on Mark, Mark 9, maybe 20-something. Um, one of the four Gospels where the guy says, um, uh, I believe, help my own belief. Um, that combination of like doubt, uncertainty, um, I think that's life. And um, I'm certain that David is who I want to spend the rest of my life with. And I was certain of that when I proposed and when we got married. But I think you can't live your life expecting to have full certainty because in everything, there's always going to be a little element of doubt. Yeah. <laughs> is that all? That That's all. Yep. She's <laughs> just saying it. Um, I, 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 like, have a very strange relationship with doubt. I, like, sort of, like... I see it as, like, outside of myself. I feel like I have, like, an external look at doubt, mm. uh, it, like, my own doubt. Um, so I, like, see it passing by, and I'm like, oh, that's doubt. I see that. Um, but it, it, has, it doesn't really have a huge bearing on my spirit and my decision-making. 
um, for, for better or for worse. I know. Lucky. <laughs> um, sometimes. But I, I think I just sort of had a, for me, it was more of a gut thing. Mm-hmm. It just was like, I don't, I can't imagine like wanting a day without this person mm-hmm. or like, I know that like this relationship has shaped my life in a way that if it is not here, I'm a different person. Um, and so for me, that was sort of the, the turning point was like, yeah, I, I know that I don't want life without this person. Um, and obviously not for, for, that's not going to mean marriage for everyone. But for me, I, um, really value that kind of commitment and, um, like the, the shape that commitment takes with marriage. Um, and so it just sort of felt like the inevitable next thing that I would want. Um, I didn't really, I didn't have the same, uh, experience of doubt that Alex had moving into it. Um, which was difficult and also fine and normal. So, yeah. Any other questions? Should we? Okay. I'll, I'll take the mic. Do your queerology sign out? Yeah. Well, I'd love um, if y'all could just briefly tell us how people can find you on oh, social yeah. media and such really quickly. Uh, we are mostly on the Facebook and the Instagram at uh, Modern Kinship. Just search that and you'll find it. And uh, we blog at DaveAndTino.com. Cool. We're on Twitter also at DaveAndTino.com, but we're old, so we honestly have a lot of trouble figuring out the Twitters. <laughs> Twitter's hard. Uh, yeah. Don't bother. It's confusing. Don't go in yeah. You also it's said not. our Twitter handle is DaveAntino.com. Oh, <laughs> see? That's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> Just Dave and Tino. It's yeah. a burning trash fire out there yeah. on Twitter. So. <laughs> it's true. No. Yeah, it's bad. Um, so I make music. Uh, you could find... I'm everywhere on the internet. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram... Um, Spotify uh, under Alex G. There is a guy out there who looks like my brother, and his name is also Alex G. And it's <laughs> not him, but well, yeah, he now he has to put Sandy in front of it because he's okay. I'm Alex G. You can find me on the internet. Um, Alex G. Music Seven is my handle, and here's Tori. <laughs> I'm like trying to pull you away from the mic, and you're like, <laughs> um, yeah, and you can find me. Uh, notes on the way anywhere notes on the way.com um, Instagram Facebook notes on the way um, I, that's where I post all my poetry don't follow me on Twitter I'm a pain in the ass on Twitter what? I am you're on Twitter <laughs> thank you you're welcome um, you can follow me on Twitter if you want but just know what you're getting into um, yeah notes on the way Great. Across the board. And Queerology is on Twitter and Instagram. Heck at yeah. Queerology Pod. Or you can tweet me directly at Matthias Roberts. Uh, Queerology is supported by its listeners. Uh, we have over 230 Patreon supporters uh, that keep this podcast going every week. Uh, so if you want to figure out how to help support Queerology, you can just head over to MatthiasRoberts.com slash support. It'll take you right there. A really easy way to help support Queerology is by leaving a rating and a review. Uh, you can do that right in your podcast app or head over to MatthiasRoberts.com slash review, and it will also take you right there. Uh, so thank you all so much for being here. Uh, big round of applause. Get a copy of Modern Kinship at the Westminster John Knox table. It's really good. Uh, read the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and follow all these lovely people. 
So thank you all. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.